This is the John Oakley Show podcast. And away we go with the panel show every weekday afternoon at this time here on the Oakley program. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, pound 3636. Let's introduce the panel. Mike Van Solen is a principal at Navigator. Hello, Mike. Happy New Year. How you been? Uh, doing really good, John. Great to see you. Likewise. Adrian Batra, editor-in-chief of the Toronto Sun. How's Adrian? It's a great day for talk radio, John. You know that for sure. And Kim Wright, NDP VP at Hill & Knowlton. Are you an NDP VP? <laughs> I'm practically the entire alphabet at this point. <laughs> oh, you are, aren't you? Okay. Uh, well, you are a staunch new Democrat. I think you wear that with pride, don't you? Uh, I, since I was 13 years old, yes. Really? She's uh, one of the reasonable ones, though. Oh, yeah. there you go. Did you feel it necessary to run interference yes. for her here? Well, I wasn't going to lean on her or anything. We got each other's back. Okay. Well, that's good to know. You're in uh, good company then, Kim Wright. Thank you for coming in as well. You know, I've got to ask you about something off the top here because we talked about it in hour one. Uh, and it seems like now that we're into the new year, uh, new rules of engagement when it comes to trying to address uh, impaired driving have come into force. Uh, and it was theoretical until some people started being stopped and asked to give breathalyzers, and they feel without any probable cause or reasonable cause. And to wit, uh, earlier today, Kelly Cotrero was talking to a gentleman in Peel Region, Art Lighttowler, who uh, says he's worried because he was stopped by the police there and asked to give a breathalyzer while returning empties to the beer store. Apparently this was the criterion of evaluation for the local constabulary, and he's worried about the power that police wield in these circumstances. It's almost like a Nazi Germany again. I mean, you know, are we not allowed, I mean, can, can the police now just watch what we're doing? So basically, after that, I will never go back to that same beer store, and, uh, and I will never take back three cases of beer. It'll always be just one. Well, there you go. Uh, so basically, the unintended consequence is recycling is going to be hurt in this equation. But let me ask you, Mike Van Solen, mm-hmm. uh, is this indicative of too much police power, or does it make sense in the context of trying to stop impaired driving? As soon as you go for the Nazi Germany comparisons, uh, you lose me uh, pretty quickly. I, I'm not sure what reasonable cause has ever been required. I mean, when you go through a ride program, uh, you know, other than you happen to be on that street in that moment and going past the uh, the ride check, uh, you have to uh, you have to uh, do a breathalyzer if they see fit. Um, well, if they see fit, but if you say no, I haven't been drinking. More often than not, they accept that unless there is reasonable cause. Here, this guy uh, he had not been drinking. What did they do? They see the three cases of beer in the back of his car. They did, yeah. The cops saw him bringing back three cases of beer and surmised that the guy must have a problem. I don't know. Look, uh, there's no place for drinking and driving in society. I don't like the idea of uh, unlawful uh, sort of search and warrant and uh, pulling people off willy nilly. But uh, um, I think this is some discretion we have to leave the officers to uh, to handle. So you think the trade off's worth it? How about you, Adrian? Yeah, I think so too. I think I um, would you know just reiterate what Mike said. I think it's quite reasonable. Uh, I I get why this guy is fussed, though. I mean, I I've hosted a number of Christmas parties over the um, the last few weeks before for the break, and if the cops pulled me over and saw how much booze was in the back of my car, <laughs> they'd be hauling me off to rehab at this point. But I think that there's just at Christmas. <laughs> but she's a great host. Yes, Thank she you. is. I it am. sounds it. Yeah. Well, we also did celebrate my birth month in November. In fairness, so but this is I think. This is one of those sorts of situations where we do leave the discretion up to the police officers. And frankly, I think they get it right most of the time. All right. Um, so you're so willing I, to cut I, them some slack? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so it's not Nazi Germany uh, redo or anything like that, according to you, Kim Wright? No, absolutely not. I mean, I want the police to have discretion to 
make make judgment calls where we're not talking about racial profiling or any of those types of things. But what we're talking about here is making sure police have the tools they need to pull over people who are potentially uh, drinking and driving, potentially under an influence, suspicion of that. But more importantly, and where I think uh, we're going to see over the next coming days and weeks is really the amount of people who will be pulled over for distracted driving. And those fines have gone up and uh, and, and well, the consequences just, of that. And I think that's actually so valuable that we're finally well, getting to the point well of may, this. That may well be. Uh, and we'll wait for that one. Uh, but I just wanted to be focused on this because the gentleman in question feels that this was an abridgment of his privacy rights. And, you know, you said this isn't exactly like racial profiling, but it is profiling of a sort. And so, you know, it's also been drawn to my attention by uh, some naysayers or critics who are saying white folks are finally getting all fussed because finally they're being stopped for no good reason by the police. And we blacks have had to feel that sting, the indignity of it and humiliation and so on and so forth. So is there a correlation between, say, carting and being stopped here without any reasonable grounds? I think there needs to be reasonable grounds when the police are pulling over. I don't know whether this gentleman was coming out of it doing fishtails. I don't know what he was doing. No, he wasn't. He was basically Uh, carrying three boxes of beers, uh, beer uh, empties and some wine into the beer store. Having not seen any sort of tape one way or another, he may... I I know there are lots of people who get stopped by a ride check and say, no, officer, I haven't been drinking at all. So... I have no idea, and I wouldn't want to cast aspersions on this gentleman, but I want police to be able to have the tools that they need to take people off the road who shouldn't be on the road. Give reminders to everyone else that people are paying attention to how you carry carry and conduct yourself in a vehicle. And let's keep in mind that these are vehicles that can kill people if run There's more to the story, don't you think? There's more to this story. I have a very hard time believing that they just randomly pulled this guy over or, you know, had a conversation with him because he's carrying empties into the beer store. Like, it just does something is very much missing here. Well, there may well be. And uh, as soon maybe as he I smashed it, a few of those empties back before he went to the beer store. Well, uh, if you're drinking empties, uh, you're not really getting a buzz anyway. Uh, you should know you're the one with a trunk full of hooch. I, I, have, I have no idea what's in his travel mug. I couldn't tell you. But, you know, let's well, let's get let's give people the benefit well, of the okay, doubt. Well, here, let me then. Presumably, he did. The, did, he, did he do a breathalyzer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he felt it was a personal affront. But here's the thing. Look, on Sunday, yesterday, in the beach, 2.30 in the afternoon, hey. you've got a shootout, two parties, the cars that were involved, an SUV, an Audi SUV, and a Mercedes. And I'm thinking to myself, now hang on. Uh, do we start profiling gangbangers based on certain vehicles now? I, I mean, think we have. I think in the past we have, for sure. Absolutely. Um, the insurance companies have been doing it for years. Well, yeah. okay, then you're saying that's valid to do. I'm not saying it's valid. I'm saying it's happened. There, are, Those are two very different conversations, what is valid and what well, is right. But why is it not valid then? So I think when you start to do any sort of major profiling around, you know, a person of color who drive, happens to drive a really fancy car, let's be honest, people want to jump to conclusions, which are completely fallacies in 99.99% of the conversations. Well, same as Buddy returning the boxes of beer. And so what I I would say is that let's not sit there and say, because that person happens to have a nice car or wears a baseball cap or a hoodie, they are automatically any sort of criminals. But I think what we need to have start doing, and we've talked about this on the show many, 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 many times, is having a real conversation about what's happening with crime in this city and how and how we can get to the root causes of it. Not for uh, not to sit here and say the easy things like every 
every person of color who drives an Audi. Well, okay, uh, except that this happened yesterday. I mean, right. it may reinforce a certain stereotype, and, uh, geez, I don't know. Uh, We're going to be pull- pulling yeah. over a lot of doctors then. Well, you might well be. Uh, <laughs> is this now something that's changed the equation in how we perceive gangbangers? No, I mean, it hasn't for me, and, and I'll, I'll be very consistent in these two stories. And I think that we have to leave discretion to police officers to uh, make uh, appropriate decisions, smart decisions in the moment when they think something's amiss or somebody needs to be uh, approached. Uh, if they're concerned about the community, they're concerned about criminal activity. They need to be able to look past just, uh, you know, the color of the skin and the type of the car and make uh, judgments based on a whole wealth of different factors, including hopefully probably walking the beat for 10 or 15 years or whatever, uh, all that experience they bring to it. Uh, but we need them to be able to make those calls. Uh, where we find those calls to be, you know, um, you know, shorthand uh, racial profiling, we know that doesn't work and it's not going to lead to good police decisions. But we do need them to be able to make discretion. Uh, you know, that one, and I just want to say on a personal note, that one hit home because that's right uh, my neighborhood where, you know, my family walks up and down the, the street all the time every every day. And uh, the brazenness of that mm-hmm. um, uh, was a real alarm bell, I know, in our house when we heard that story yesterday afternoon. Well, you know, and here's the other thing. Uh, and Liz Braun, in your paper, Adrian, uh, wrote about it today. Uh, Toronto's first homicide of 2019. Uh, somebody stabbed with a knife in a TCHC building uh, out in Scarborough. And this is another case, I guess, of profiling, if you want. Uh, there seems to be an inordinate number of violent crimes committed in Toronto community housing. Yeah, it's so, extraordinary, actually. You know, we have... So how do we stop that? How do we address that without seemingly uh, profiling people who live here or stigmatizing people Well, I don't who live... think you're profiling people if they've been convicted of a crime and they're the ones that are basically terrorizing the neighborhood and terrorizing those that are, you know, wanting to li- live a, an honest life, in, in a, regardless if it's a community housing or not. You kick them out. That's what one of the priorities of this new city council should be, is addressing and tackling that issue at TCHC specifically in order to allow those law-abiding citizens, and there's vast majority of them well, are. Well, how come it's so hard to kick them are, out? Well, exactly. That's an excellent question that next time you have the mayor on, ask him that question. That <laughs> shouldn't, it shouldn't be that hard. The new, there's a new board. There's new council. This is new-ish council. There, there sh- this should be one of the absolute priorities. La- when there was that tragic Danzig Street shooting that happened in the city a few years ago, um, and there was other uh, rampant crime happening within Toronto community housing um, a- areas, the windows are broken. The video cameras, none of them conveniently ever work. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the things that have um, successive city councils and boards have failed, those that are living in community housing, to address those issues and address the crime, where so much crime in the city, sadly, starts from there and spreads out. Well, disproportionate number of crimes are, are committed in TCHC buildings. I mean, some of the people there feel stigmatized, the law-abiding types. So how do you get rid of this blight or this scourge? Uh, Kim Wright, is Adrian right? I mean, get in there, boot them out, weed them out. Uh, or is that going to be considered somehow discriminatory to do that? Let's start with, and Adrian made this point, There, are the vast majority of people who live in Toronto community housing are really just people who happen to be people who need community housing. They're poor. They happen to be immigrants or not, or they just happen to have not had some of the supports that they've needed. We need to have, as I've said repeatedly, a robust conversation about what are the root causes of crime, how do we get at them, and what changes do we need to make to make sure that all of our housing stock, community housing and otherwise, are safe. 
you know, yeah, make, sure, make sure we fo- focus on making sure the windows are, aren't broken, that the security cameras are up and running all the time. Yeah, but the cops knew this was a drug den on the 12th floor of this particular and- housing project. So, you know, what are we doing? Uh, if you know that, you go in, you basically put it under surveillance, bust it up, get rid of the people who are operating with impunity, it seems. Why is that a problem? And without addressing some of the root causes of poverty, five minutes well, later, they'll still there will still be more drug deals that well, happen. Okay, in so if we want to address the root causes of poverty, we're going to be a long time in getting the people off the 12th floor who are uh, basically intimidating everybody. Not necessarily. So suddenly we're going to have like a a lot of programs to address. I I think if we start to actually move on these as opposed to writing a series of reports on reports on reports and actually find what are some of those solutions, including making sure that there's community-based policing and that there is a safety mechanism put in place, I think those things go a long way. Also making sure that for people who have mental health challenges, the supports are in place because they're not. All right. Well, we got a drug den. We're on right. the clock. Uh, I say by the weekend, we could have this infestation taken care of. You fumigate these particular people. I don't need to drill down on root causes. I do grant that there are bigger questions to be addressed. 100%. That's long term. Kim's talked about a lot of really uh, good things that should be done. Uh, but as well on that list should be just going in there uh, and rooting out uh, hardened criminals who are clearly... and and. Just for the fact that the intimidation of the other people who live in that in those buildings, who need that support, who want to have an opportunity in life in this city uh, to go to school, to, to get a job, to get out of community housing, the intimidation and the, the life quality that they have as a result of sort of known criminals, the fact that it was so, uh, you know, well known, oh yeah, the drug den, that's on right. the 12th, yeah. uh, you know, um, look, I, it puzzles me truthfully, but uh, th- that's not an appropriate thing to have allowed uh, to exist within community housing if we want to move forward. One of the things that we've talked about, and we've talked about it pretty much since this panel has convened over the last year and a half, the brazenness. That's a word we use all the time, John, mm. brazen, because there is so much of the criminal element. There's so much of those um, that are in gangs that have thumbed their nose at law enforcement agencies for a whole host of reasons. And I don't want to relitigate, you know, street checks and all that stuff, even though we did have that report that just came out last week, that there should be mechanisms by which the police can engage within a community. Those are realities. So, yes, we want to have a broad conversation about the supports that are there and the mechanisms that are, are there. But we don't want analysis paralysis. We have a, a hot den bed of, of gang-related activity in TCHC. Get them the hell out, period, all stop. And you're going to do a bigger favor, not to the community at large, but to those individuals that are living in TCHC that want to raise their kids in, in a safe environment, that want their children to have a, a future. Those immigrants, those that are marginalized, those are the ones that it hurts the most. By the way, uh, if you have, say... Uh... Uh, a young man gangbanger who's been implicated in this kind of behavior. Do you kick the entire family out? Well, that might have to be a reality. That might have to be a reality. Well, okay. It may not sound fair. Right. I think every situation is, well, it is what it, it is. Well, I mean, are you going to kick out the little brother that is, is not doing a darn thing because well, the family his older has brother a role or, or sister or whatever? Doesn't the family have a role or responsibility about the parents or parent? Whose name's on well, the lease? Sure. Probably a lot of questions. There you uh, are. There, yeah. Those are all things that need to be discussed and considered. For sure. We'll come back. There are more topics worthy of discussion uh, to be discussed and considered. In a moment with our panel, Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. He was in the the apartment with friends, and everything was fine, uh, uh, according to the people who were last with him. The building on that particular floor um, had a heavy drug activity. 
Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 